The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I am senior reporter with Provoke Media. Um, we have a very, what I believe, interesting and important topic in store to talk about misinformation and disinformation. Uh, and we're going to have that conversation with a good friend of mine and a good friend of Provokes, who I'm going to let introduce himself because, uh, Gil, you have more um, hats and roles than any title that I read out will do justice to. No, that, that's a constant, It's over to you. No, Diana, that's a constant refrain. But it's a, first of all, I have to say it's a thrill to be with you, um, you. on this very special Provoke podcast, media podcast. And um, it's a topic that we're going to explore that I think that you and Paul Holmes and the Provoked Media community have actually been championing for for many years, actually for close to, as far as my research shows, mm -hmm. at least 10 years you've been writing about these topics. I think that we're entering into elections 2024, and I think that as a result of that, um, a lot of what we're going to talk about has spilled out over and out and I think it's important for our industry just to explore. And we will in a moment, just to, as you said, a bit of background uh, for me, I'm really privileged to serve as a chair of Global Health and Purpose at Finn Partners. I'm going to interrupt you one sec. Will you tell us your name? Uh, I know your name, but our listeners don't. <laughs> Maybe they do, but we should tell somebody absolutely. your name. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Gil Bash, Gil Bash. And um, obviously I've been um, as part of this industry community for Oh, since I uh, I came to the United States in 1986 and entered into agency life at that time, so I've been part of the community now for for a few years, few years, and been privileged to work and lead at, at many of the leading agencies. Um, some some obviously historic that have been folded into others, but you no know, Finn Partners, where I'm as I said, chair of Global Health and Purpose. Is is really the um, the birth of a new concept of agency, an agency that was founded by Peter Finn um, on purpose and for purpose. And I um, I'm I'm truly honored to work with my 1,400 colleagues around the world to reinforce the fact that agencies have a vital mission in championing clients who seek to make a difference in the world, and and certainly we are um, in our work. So. Uh, that's a little bit about me um, and my current role. Obviously, as you know me, Diane, I'm also a writer. I'm editor-in-chief of Medical Life, Medica with a K. Uh, it's an independent health, digital health news platform. It actually has about 300,000 plus readers today, oh, which is kind of like, you. Well, yeah, yeah, which is kind of amazing. Um, we have all sorts of edgy content on there, um, dealing everything from um, you know physical health to uh, you know, perspectives about how climate impacts um, the, the well-being of our planet, of us. Mm -hmm. So we are obviously touching on many important issues. And actually, the, the issue that we're going to discuss, misinformation and disinformation, really started with my writings on that platform uh, during the, the height of the COVID-19 you know, era when we were all isolated in our little home offices. And then the subsequent stumbles on the part of CDC to get the what is the evolving information about the pandemic and, and, and how to mitigate the risks of virus came out and how that unfolded and how that became a mega political issue and how that issue is kind of spilled over mm 
now even to um, uh, the election cycle. So I'll stop there and return it to you. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm 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 interested in tracking that narrative, and um, I guess one thing that I'd love to to start our discussion with is sort of um, separating or not separating, but defining misinformation versus disinformation, and how both those travels and and the influence of of both those um, forms of problematic information. Yeah, that's that's a very critical point because. I think we blur the two, and that's a mistake. Misinformation, as I see it, is the unintentional sharing of incorrect information. And again, we saw that with COVID, where we, we started to talk about, for instance, what the COVID vaccines would do. The, the, some of the language that was used originally was they would prevent infection. What we, what we learned subsequently, of course, is they would mitigate the severity of, of the virus. They didn't prevent the virus, but they did mitigate the severity. And that in itself was a huge benefit. Obviously, our hospitals were filling up uh, at the early stages. The COVID vaccine or inoculation, as it were, it's like a flu inoculation. It doesn't prevent you from getting the flu. It mitigates the severity of the flu. That we learned um, was a critical advantage. But that misinformation period actually confused people. And people were saying, it doesn't work. It does work. You know, I'm going to get it anyway. I'm not going to get it. Sort of you know, vaccine deniers of the of the COVID strand. That was actually because of the, the snafu of misinformation. And the, um, the inability, and here's where I think seasons communicators have to step in at that point. It is important to actually recalibrate at that moment and say, let's put a knee down. We now have learned that this information that we shared was not spot on. This is what we know to the best of our knowledge right now. In other words, the importance of with misinformation, the inflection point of recognizing it and truth telling, truth telling. Um, that's the highest level of recalibrating mindsets. It's different than when we lost trust in CDC because of the confusion. Trust, actually, we often talk about trust as an important aspect of this. It is, but but the higher aspect is truth. Have you told the truth? And if if you've you've shared incorrect information, do you have the courage and understanding of the role of truth in communication to say, we now know better? This is the accurate, truthful information. Disinformation, though, and that's the slippery slope we've slid into right now. And we're there. We're there. We're not heading there. We are there. Disinformation is the manipulation of information, and intentional telling of a lie again and again and again to get you to believe and trust that entity, that person, that that information that they're giving you is the information that you need to believe in, trust, and act on. That's a whole different situation. So when we look at the political scene right now, and I won't go into candidates or anything like that. I will say there is a shifting narrative that goes on where people make an intentional decision to tell you the information to get you to believe in something that may or may not be truthful. And communications has a vital role to sort of set the course of what this about is about. By the way, Paul, Paul Holmes, has written about this continuously in the pages of Provoke Media. 
And I urge, first of all, all of the listeners and all of the readers to go back, put Paul's name and misinformation into Google and source all those information. Some of them are behind the paywall if you're a subscriber, which is a good idea. Um, I appreciate those, the plug read, and Paul's, uh, yeah. Read, I mean, he's read those, read those articles. Read those articles because I think that Paul is, um, initially he was prophetic. Now it's just painful. Now it's just painful. So we've moved to that stage. Read those articles. Of course, you could read my article as well, which is publishing out there. Just you know, plug my name into Google and misinformation, disinformation, you'll find it. But we're in the era of disinformation right now. And I think that we are in a very dangerous point in the communications field. And I'll, I'll share with you an important reason why. Our profession is only valuable where people understand that the information is accurate, truthful, and the listener, reader, viewer can make an informed decision. Once we take away the element of truth from that narrative, the concept of informed decision is actually withdrawn from the consumer. We're yanking it away from them. They're just making a decision. But I think in our pre-call, you said something, Diana, that he, you should explore, which is critical thinking, which is... Yeah. I mean, if people, people don't have people the... Okay, like the, the point or the the... You can read anything, right? But it still has to come from in this era. I you have to be willing to believe what somebody tells you without follow up, right? Without being engaged. Um, it, it certainly is incumbent on politicians, whomever it is, to tell the truth. But those who are not telling the truth, it still, to some degree, unfortunately, falls on people wanting to take the next step. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. So listen, there's there's a number of T words we're throwing around here. Okay. One is uh, transparency. Uh, one is timeliness. Mm -hmm. One is trust and one is truth. The last one, though, is painful. It's called trickery. Mm -hmm. Disinformation is akin to trickery. I'm making a decision to tell you false information intentionally to desire you to, to think something, to do something, to vote a certain way, because I have, they wouldn't use this word, they'd say, I've convinced you that my point is correct. Mm -hmm. I've tricked you into thinking my point is correct. And um, and suddenly critical thinking really involves um, asking a question of whose truth? Whose truth? My My truth or your truth? Truth is truth. Truth is a priori. But the challenge we're facing right now is that um, truth truth has been weaponized in um, the discussion around education. It's been weaponized in terms of women's rights, women's reproductive choice. It's been weaponized in terms of our uh, core values of a nation, um, a, a nation built on waves of newcomers to our shore, who bring new perspective, new ideas, and new passion for what democracy offers um, them and the world. And so, how you find how you find someone you can trust and and bond to that corporate figure or that political figure to help you navigate all of these issues of import 
that's a question of what we'll call, you know, thinking, thinking for yourself. Now, thinking for yourself, to your point, in in an ideal world where we not only trust people, but we we know they're telling us the truth. We don't necessarily have to do our own fact checking, right? Because we know they're truth tellers. But if we trust them without without verifying the truth, then we 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 do run the risk of being tricked. And I think that we are really heading headlong into an environment, into a culture where it's easy to be tricked. And, and why is that? Why do you think? And I know that that disinformation has been used for decades, um, for a century more. But why at this point in time, and this will ultimately get back to what we can do about it, but why do you think people are so vulnerable to trickery right now? Well, we are we are now a society of self-reporters. And um opinion, opinion um often becomes interpreted as fact. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing more and more in the age of, you know, everybody has a great X following, Twitter following, or, you know, here's my TikTok or my Instagram account or what I'm sharing on LinkedIn. Um, more and more, we're, we're moving our information sources to secondary and tertiary, you know, sort of like source material, which is my point of view, right? My point of view, Gil's point of view, mm-hmm. Diana's point of view, Paul's point of view. And as a result of that, the, the facts are being filtered now through everybody's points of view. That's one element that's going on. News media, you know, the age of Walter Cronkite, if some people remember who Walter Cronkite was, was about telling facts, truths. Mm-hmm. What would happen was in an age of, of blink media, where it takes time to verify the facts, it takes time to verify the truth, that media started to understand it needed to move very quickly at a blink in order to compete with everybody else that had jumped in. So we no longer in big media always had time to verify the facts. Um, You know, I I just want to give a a tragic example of all peoples Mm -hmm. right now. As you know, there was at the, um, at the start of this horrible conflict that exists right now in the Middle East um, in particularly the centered around the Gaza Strip, there was mm-hmm. a discussion of who who shelled a particular hospital on the Gaza Strip, and media immediately moved in. New York Times, BBC, um, um, other major media, sort of claimed that one side bombed the hospital. It was later verified factually by using you no know, you no know, sort of geo mapping, intelligence sources, you no know, no point to point that it was the other side that actually bombed their own hospital. Mm-hmm. It might have been accidental, but they did. But by the time the news got out, it created a firestorm within the Middle East. So suddenly news telling incorrect information intentionally in the desire to keep up with the news flow st- started a firestorm, a political firestorm in the Middle East. A few days later, probably on page 44, they issued a correction. Mm-hmm. Now, that sort of energy creates an environment of why should I trust anything, any authoritative source? I'll make up my own truth. I'll determine based on my point of view what is truth for me. And so there's a variety of different things. The the demise of the authoritative voice of major media, the rise of the citizen reporter. I think that, and I have no, 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 
uh, 90,000 followers on a platform, I have a lot of voice and reach. I now can influence your point of view. And you you trust me. You trust me. So the, the rise of the citizen reporter. And then what we find is we're in the age of information anxiety. We have so much information being thrown at us. We don't even know how to sort through it any longer. And so that does rely on what you talked about earlier, critical thinking. We, we have to get back to almost Aristotelian thought for those who remember syllogisms from their philosophy classes. We have to get back to Aristotelian thought. And that's not possible. We cannot put, right? We, we, we can't put that back in the cookie jar. It's out. Right. A, a number of us, as, as you were speaking, I'm thinking like what we're talking about, what you're talking about is is certainly all the truth. Um, but I, how do you roll it back or dial it back? I mean, the media has made that change, right? It's not going back to Walter Cronkite. Um, you know, citizen journalists are not going to rein it in and the speed of, of, of media and critical thinking. I mean, so we're talking about how do we as communicators address this problem, but the problem is societal right? Bigger it's, than some of us. It's it, not bigger. It's bigger than all of us. Right. Um, and we see, you know, obviously, you know, we're heading into elections 2024. A lot of decision making or, you know, people's beliefs will be influenced by who they believe in, who they trust. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether the information is correct or not, whether it's intentionally correct or not. Now we've gotten to this place of, of I believe in know this or I believe in that and therefore I you know I flip the lever of on the on the voting booth so how do we 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 get control of it um well the the answer might be that we we don't the answer might be that um what we'll call a new form of leaders come in and they actually um now believe in truth and this That's is not. Right. A, we're talking about leaders. We're talking about governmental leaders. Any we're talking about media. Everybody. We're talking about media, and we're <laughs> talking about um, even major media uh, understanding that they 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 don't want to be behind the eight ball and releasing information. They don't want to become irrelevant to the news flow. But I think that one thing major media can do is is actually start having reporters on their staff that actually deal with major stories. Um, that after the story runs, they actually do do an evaluation of the paper's fact-based reporting, and actually not on page 44, maybe on page four, um, start to report out and say, look, you know, you know here are the articles we posted. Um, you know, we have done our own internal research, and we have also heard from our readers. Uh, here's where we find the information isn't accurate. By the way, now... now Reporters on major broadcast networks, for instance, are are sharing where they got their sources from. We received it from this group or that group. They're now citing the source material. So if you believe in that source, you can apply that to your your truth area, right? I can say I trust that source or I don't trust that source. Mm -hmm. I don't think that source tells the truth. I do think this source tells the truth. It's still belief, but it's a higher level of, of of consumer assessment. In other words, we are bringing back the aspect of informed decision making in your read of the news by clearly stating where the sources come from. So one aspect is reporters or editors have to assign to some extent a truth editor 
Um, you know, that really like does, that. Fact, does fact checking, even though it's after the fact, we have to elevate the facts, even mm -hmm. if it's after the facts, we just can't let it swing by. The other aspect is um, media has been able to now evaluate. We saw this in the last presidential election where media was telling how many times so-and-so one candidate was not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, we, we, we are fact checkers. We're evaluating that debate speech or that you know, you know sort of like platform speech and here were the number of times that candidate gave inaccurate information i i think that that has to become a standard as well and i i think to some extent that has to be posted um you know so that people can make informed choice for corporations and for all people truth truth and transparency actually do go hand in hand but there's a difference transparency is like a door you can open it all the way you can open it partially but you have to have some sense of internal compass to determine from the degree of transparency in communicating with our audiences how far do we seek to open the door and how fast do we seek to open that door and how fast do we seek to say based upon what we know right now this is what we can share. As someone who's been actively involved in crisis communication for um, for industry, particularly the health industry, which you know um, is held by a standard, and that's why I'm, one of the reasons I'm so sensitive to this topic in the health industry, because we're dealing with basic science and outcomes of people's well-being. We are held to a higher standard in science and medicine. We are You're required also held to, to a, a more measurable standard, correct? I mean, when you correct. talk about science and data, it's there or it's not there. That's correct. And that's why I think it was yesterday, Dana Farber, the cancer center, the great cancer center based in Boston, made a, a bold public announcement announcing that um, dozens of studies that were issued by one of their investigators were not accurate. Um, they didn't sweep it under the rug. Um, they um, immediately stepped forward and made the announcement and they cited the studies that were inaccurate. And I think that as a result of that, that was an incredibly bold, um, bold and I think courageous move on the part of the, the leaders of, of that institution led by Lori Glimker, who's a great scientist and physician in her own right. And stepped forward and made that announcement. I think that as an institution of note, they realize truth is worth something. I trust them more because they told the truth. I believe in them more because they told the truth. And that's why, by the way, this concept of truth and trust are akin to each other, but they are different. They are different. I can get you to trust me, but ultimately when you do your checking, you have to say, I trust, I trust so-and-so because that person is a truth teller. And I think that we have to now actually measure our political candidates, our our, our corporate leaders, our, our our agency communicators on their on their passion to tell the truth. I was um, gonna ask you, I mean, I know that this is a far-fetched idea and not doable, but like when you talk about science, there are things that we can measure the truth by. But it's mind-boggling when you look anywhere, we'll say anywhere in the world, when people get power based on lies, including government people. And like, 
how does that happen? Like, how can we not regulate or, or there's no body to tell the truth, right? I mean, we were talking about that with January 6th and what's the truth and, and who believes what. Um, well, the truth changed, right? I mean, people were expressing the fact that they were fearful for their lives. I mean, right? one very noticeable member of Congress uh, stated that he took off his jacket and was prepared to defend himself the, from the insurgents. Today, that same person tells a totally different story. I mean, totally different story. Their, their exper- either their experience has changed or the collective has decided that the narrative needs to change to get people to believe in something. I was listening to this person on CNN yesterday, um, and they were talking specifically, they were talking specifically on, um, they were asked by CNN, so do you believe in the um, former president's uh, words that the people jailed for January 6th are hostages. And I was listening to this person of note, Hamana Hamana, around that answer. Didn't give an answer in the end. They yeah. gave a non-answer. Um, on January 7th, they were very clear <laughs> of what happened. But you know, on on January you know, 20, you know, 22nd, they had, uh, one year later, plus, they had a very different you know, comment to make. Now, this is the balance between wanting to be trusted and respected on the foundation of of truth. So I think we can compartmentalize in terms of misinformation and disinformation. You can compartmentalize. Someone who's giving out misinformation is is not is unintentionally telling something that is not factual. And that would be an example of Dana Farber would be an example of that. Yes, exactly. And the and the and the remedy, the remedy for that is to tell the truth when you realize it to tell the truth, right? That's the greatest remedy of all to say, you know, I told you two weeks ago when we spoke, I told you this. I realized that's not that's not right. That's not right. This is what I should have shared with you. And if people start to do that more in their daily life, we're going to have a lot more regard and respect. For each other, we're going to believe in each other more. We will, we will have um, what I'll call enduring trust mm-hmm. in those institutions, those people who tell us the truth, right? You now you could say, and I remember as a child, I, uh, as you know, Dan, I was a paratrooper in the army for for six years, um, and. I was practicing to be a paratrooper. I think at age seven, and I did <laughs> that. I was. I'm serious. I'm telling you the truth. I was. I was going to be a paratrooper. I jumped off the roof of my home before sure I that was, went over well. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't break anything. So obviously, I was. I was fit to go at 10, 10 years old. You know, into the military. I didn't obviously at ten. But I was riding my bicycle and I jumped off my bicycle as if I were leaving a plane. And my bicycle continued going, going, going down the street and smashed into someone's car, and left a huge black tire mark on this person's white, brand new white car. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody was there. I could have just grabbed my bike and zoomed away. I didn't. I went to the person's house. I knocked on the door, this little eight-year-old. Man answers the door. I explained in my timid little voice what happened. He walks out to his car. There's a, a tire mark across mm-hmm. the driver's side door. I still see it in my head. Sure. And he looks traumatizing. He looks at the tire mark on his white car and looks at me. He says, are you, are you okay? And I said, yes. He says, well, be careful. 
And he says, you know, you know, go home to your parents. And I suddenly realized how relieved I was as an individual in telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I didn't know what was going to happen when I knocked on the man's door. I didn't know the outcome. I knew I had to tell the truth, though. And I think that corporations are led by people. Mm-hmm. Governments are led by people. People have to remember what it was like to carry um, misinformation and let it persist once they realized it was wrong. In other words, at that point, it slips into disinformation once you realize it. Um, that's the slippery slope. But I think we have to get back to the basics of you know, sort of the foundation of this nation. If you remember the famous adage of George Washington as a young boy with the axe, and he chopped down the cherry tree. It's a right. famous story, of course. I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree. I, I think I think that communications agencies, I think the, the uh, companies we represent, I think that the society leaders that guide us forward have to go back to that core principle that exists in most societies where truth is the highest regard. Now, disinformation. I think that disinformation has become a strategy, a communication strategy. If we um, amplify up enough, we amplify what we want to say, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's truthful or not. But we use influencers to highlight the information. We write the information. We repeat the information. We insist on the information. We will get the people, our base, to believe in us. The, you know, our customer base to believe in us, our political base to believe in us. I I don't know if that is the fabric of society that we should support. And I think that our communication sector, actually, I think we have to sort of go back, go back to the foundation of the sector, which I think really starts with Thomas Paine in this nation um, and, and sort of setting out the rationale for freedom. I think truth Truth is one of the great um, expectations of society. Society expects leaders, corporate leaders, non-governmental organizations, governmental organizations, to tell them the truth. When it's not accurate, to correct it. And that's also part of the what I'll call the reputation-building process. When it's not accurate, correct it. But you said society expects that, um, which we hope. But that's not necessarily the case that we're seeing. That's a great point. You know, how how do we, can, can we, I don't want to say reverse this. I don't know if it'll ever be totally reversed, but how do we rein it in? And how do we as communicators, what has happened that has fostered this or allowed this to happen that communicators could have done differently? And what can we do? I mean, we're looking at an election year. It's going to be all over the place, right? No matter who you support, don't support. Disinformation is going to. Be crazy, rampant. Rampant. It's it's going to be disinformation is the new is the is the new pandemic. There's mm-hmm. no there's no denying that. We know that. I I, I do think that just as Paul, no no Paul has been an inspirational foundation to sort of talk about this. And I think that there there's you know sort of like three wings of provoke. First of all, I would recommend people actually read these articles. I said that before. I say it again. Um, there are three wings to provoke media that I think are very critical. One is that provoke has a um, has a moral compass attached to it. So it has a societal compass, and that's usually behind the paywall, 
My only encouragement is take it out from behind the paywall. Okay. Push it out. Duly noted. Uh, right. So that's that's one element of this where I, I do think the senior staff, yourself and others, really look at um, those sort of issues. So I think that you need to take a look at that. The other aspect, I think, is you obviously cover the industry news. Mm-hmm. I think you 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 have a keen eye. Um, you do ask very pressing questions. Don't stop. Don't stop asking questions because that's trying to get beyond the information to you know what is the truth of the information. And the third element, of course, is that you you create platforms for for dialogue um, and edgy platforms for dialogue. Fin partners were proud to support the the obviously the the radical purpose summits in Washington D.C. and we do that for a very specific reason. You know, we we do think that that's an important platform where all agencies should participate in. That purpose is about creating change, societal change, social impact. So, you know, keep on doing all those things. How do we fix this in society? Um, I think we we begin to applaud truth. I think we we begin to actually honor those people who said, um, "When I told you this, I realized now now knowing what I know now, that was not accurate." This is this is accurate. I think that we are um, our leaders, and I'm talking about even our um, our governmental health leaders, are anxious, uncomfortable, embarrassed, threatened about standing up and saying all of this was not on point, was not our best moment. There is a sense of if I say that to you, the the wrath. The wrath of so the dogs of war will be released and against you for now acknowledging you were not on point. And so people try to find a way to slip around it. And I think we want to applaud truth telling. I do know that the CDC, in the case of COVID, said that they were going to evaluate uh, what went wrong. Well, that's awesome because they have to prepare for the next round. Now, with, um, COVID was not our first pandemic as a modern society. Remember Ebola? Remember Zika? Remember COVID? It's ramping up. We do have to prepare for the next time that will come. And we have to regain people's trust. Well, how do you do that? You start to tell them consistently the truth. And when it's misinformation and the facts are illuminated and are corrected, you've got to say, constantly knowing what we know now based on this this and this this is our recommendation and if that shifts you've got to stop and say here's new pieces of information that um, have sort of come on board that bring us to a higher level of awareness this is not accurate any longer this is accurate based on what we know now the other aspect is our society is moving very fast blink blink the famous book blink Mm -hmm. everything moves at a blink um, we have to understand that just because we blinked and we embrace that doesn't mean that that is actually good for us, that we need to, and you touched on this and I want to reinforce it, um, don't give up our ability to think. Critical thinking, analysis, saying this touches my life, I need to do a little more research into the background here. Uh, embrace that, embrace that. By the way, that's what builds strategists. If you want to be in the communication field, start to read and study and learn, be, develop expansive knowledge, 
hone your pattern recognition skills. Communication isn't about expediency or the, the easiest solution. It's understanding the, the dynamic of the environment that the client exists within. So I think actually what we're talking about, misinformation, disinformation, sorting between the two, truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the greatest communicators that will lead our, our profession in the next wave aren't crafty positioners. They're people who understand fact and fiction, mm-hmm. the difference between trust and truth, misinformation, disinformation, and actually have the courage to say, um, I was wrong. Okay. That's a wonderful place to sort of <laughs> stop this conversation for now, but we have a, what's sure to be a, um, a, a disruptive year ahead. And, uh, Hopefully we can continue this. Amen. Amen. We are heading for a disruptive year ahead. No, no doubt about that. But I hope um, as a result of your work and Paul's work, your team's work and continuing to project, to expand on this issue, you know, my hope will be that the people who drive our profession, particularly on the agency side, where we represent so many different clients can be far better counselors and and actually encourage our clients more and more to sort of seek through the impact they have on the well-being of societies around the world. Well, I appreciate um, your perspectives and your championing of the truth and and of the of the of communication. So, thank, thank you. you, thank you. Appreciate your time. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.